Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski, and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which were contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the name of the Holy Spirit manifests in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles. They are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. That is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, the self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, 
with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. And this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Iris Jones, and we'll have a scripture read, which will be Romans, the fourth chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Sharon Welch. Good evening, class. Let us bow our hearts and minds and ask Yahshua that he opens our hearts and our minds that we can receive those things that he has prepared for us in this meeting place that he has given us this evening. We wanna thank him always for every precious gift that he has given unto us. Yahshua, we look to you for everything. We ask that you keep us ever mindful that how you took us out of the spiritual bondage that we were under. You caused us not to have any fear. You allowed us to stand in the holy place and to see you, our salvation, present us faultless before the presence of your glory. And you do it with exceeding joy, Joshua. We thank you for that every day. Let us receive these things and let us thank you always. We ask this blessing and every blessing in the name of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us say hallelujah. 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 I'll be reading Romans, the fourth chapter out of the King James Bible, inserting the true names. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before Elohim. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed Elohim, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom Elohim imputed righteousness without works saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom Yahweh will not impute sin. <clears throat> Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the circumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in, circ or, or in uncircumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision? And he receiveth the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised, that righteousness 
might be imputed unto them also. And the fathers of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised, for the purpose that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law worketh wrath for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believeth, even Elohim, who quickeneth the dead, and called those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believeth in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of Elohim through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to Elohim. And being fully persuaded that when he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Yahshua, our Savior, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Romans, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Dr. Welch and Dr. Jones. Our scripture readers this evening will be Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class and Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class. And our first speaker this evening will be Dr. Sean Hudgenwardle from our Ontario, California class. Oh, good afternoon, good evening to everybody. Good evening. I knew it. <laughs> you just know when you're going to get called on to speak. And uh, it's definitely an honor and a privilege to be able to reasonable testimony of that which uh, has been revealed unto, unto me since coming down into this school. Uh, whew get out of my own self here uh i like this scripture lesson i i really like the 
the entire book of Romans and uh, and I appreciate this. And I was thinking about Romans, uh, the seventh chapter, actually, uh, today. So I saw let's see how I'm gonna go here. So being the first speaker, I guess I should uh, set a foundation and then uh, let somebody else go from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Messiah, he would begin at Moses. And the reason why we begin at Moses is because that's what we have the uh, beginning of any of these visions are uh, being drawn out for us to understand in revelations. For some reason I'm so nervous right now that I'm just, just bear with me for a second. I'm really trying to get out of my own self here. It's, it's just us. It's just us. Thank you, Carl. So, Moses was a uh, was a goodly child, and he was born under a death decree. Mm -hmm. And that death decree uh, required the male children two and under to be put to death. And the the Hebrew women at the time were very lively. They were under bondage in the land of Egypt. Uh, during this death decree, and they were they were uh, commanded to build treasure cities for Pharaoh, uh, and because they had a stockpile of supplies that the world needed, uh, and when there was the seven years of feast and then the, the famine, uh, it required everybody from around the world to come to Egypt to get food and things and in, in exchange for food and water they gave up their jewels and their raiment their fine linens and their cattle and and whatnot and egypt became a very powerful land and the children of israel uh became under bondage to the powers that be pharaoh and egypt and uh the egyptians seen that those those hebrews were increasing rapidly in their numbers. And they were, they were fearful that though the Hebrews would overtake the Egyptians and take all of their spoils that they have conquered over the world. So they, they, they uh, kept a tight leash on them and they tried to get rid of the, the male children to keep them weak. And, uh, they, the, the children of Israel or the Hebrews, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to kill their own children. And then there were, and they were hiding away their children. And Moses was hid away as long as he could until he could be hid no longer. And he was put in an ark uh, on the flags of the brink of the river Nile. Um, 
and Pharaoh's daughter <coughs> down to uh, the Nile was represented for fertility to uh, bathe and heard the baby crying and sent for one of her maids to, to uh, fetch the baby and discovered that the baby was a, a Hebrew boy because of his circumcision. That's the reason why she knew he was a Hebrew because they were all kind of kindred in the way that they looked in the, in the area being, you know, they were all from basically the same region. So she sent for somebody to nurse that child and bring him back after he was uh, weaned to be raised up in Pharaoh's household. So Moses had the best of both worlds in a sense because he got to know who his family really was. And then he was raised up as, as royalty in uh, Pharaoh's household. And he grows up and fast forwarding through sees an Egyptian, which happened to be, must have been a prominent Egyptian because uh, he, uh, he fled out of Egypt after slaying this Egyptian for persecuting one of his brethren. And uh, he fled when he found out that it was going to be, it was known about his slaying this Egyptian. He fled out of the land of Egypt into the wilderness of Sinai. And, and he met a woman and uh, took, took her to marriage uh, and got a job tending to her father-in-law's flock of sheep. And, and one day, tending to the sheep, he seen a bush that was burning. He seen a great sight. He seen a vision. And if anybody was next to him, they wouldn't have seen this vision. Because it was intended for Moses and Moses alone. And when he seen that vision, he turned aside to see what is this great sight that I'm seeing. And he had, and when he was getting this vision from Yahweh Elohim, our heavenly father. And when Yahweh seen that Moses being a goodly child, he, he turned aside to recognize what was the power of what was happening. Yahweh Elohim, the angel of Yahweh appeared to him out of the midst of this bush and commanded him to go back down into Egypt and bring out his brethren from the bondage of the Egyptians. Now this is all according to a purpose that was already predestined and preordained. Because Abraham was given a promise that his seed would inherit this land, this land of Canaan, flowing with milk and honey, and he would, and, and his seed would be put into a land that they knew not of, and be evilly entreated for four hundred years, and be brought out by a mighty hand, and they would, and 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 his seed would. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to find? Let me just go with just be brought out some reason I'm just so nervous my palms are sweaty and everything it just happens I apologize but uh so Moses being a stutterer he he came up with all kind of excuses 
as to why he didn't want to go down there. He just tried to try to get out of it. And Yahweh Elohim gave uh, reconciliation for those excuses. He, he said he was a stutterer. He said, well, your brother's down there. Go meet your brother. He showed him miracles. He, 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 he uh, had a, a, a shepherd's crook. He told him to throw his shepherd's crook on the ground and, and it turned into a serpent. And he told him to pick it up by the tail. And he picked that shepherd's crook up by the tail. And you know, if you know anything about snakes, you don't pick them up by the tail. You pick them up by the, the base of their neck or they'll, they'll snap back like a, like a slinky and, and bite you in an instant. You try to grab it by the, the tail. But he grabbed this shepherd's crook by the tail and it turned back into a staff. He, he put his arm in it and he was told to put his arm in his bosom and it, pluck it out and it came out leprous. And he, uh, he put it back in and plucked it out again and it was back as his regular skin. And he, he was given these, he was given these, these, shown these miracles. He was told to go down to Pharaoh and he would turn the, the water into blood. And, uh, and he would show these miracles to Pharaoh and Pharaoh would not turn aside when these things happened. And that's the purpose of why I'm even, why I'm even getting to this part now is when these miracles, when Moses went down into Egypt and met with his brother and, his, and, and Aaron and Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let, the, let my people go. Pharaoh said, who are you that I should let them go? And who is this Yahweh? that you say, and they showed him these miracles and Pharaoh had all of these excuses. He got his magicians and everything and said, you know, I got all of this stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care about you turning this, this water into blood. I don't care about you turning a rod into a serpent, even though that Jannies and Jambres, they, they, they turn their rods into serpents, but, but Moses's rod swallowed up theirs, showing power over those magicians. And that, and that overcoming, and, and Yahweh said it was going to be that way, and the, and the reason why Pharaoh wouldn't turn his head, you know, on a, from a natural standpoint, he had all of these jewels and riches, and he had a, a, a very plush way of life, and who, you know, who, who has a lot wants to give it up, and in our lives, we, we have that same thing, too. We get nice cars, and you know, a certain, a certain uh, standard of living. You know, we got high speed internet. We don't want to go back down to dial up. It's going to be some weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, you're going to be upset. You have to go or you lose the internet altogether and you, you don't have a telephone. You get, you get upset. You, you know, but a good, you know, a, a person with the right mind would just be thankful for what they have. Um, but Pharaoh, he wasn't going to allow Moses to take away his way of life. He didn't turn aside to see these great sights as, as Moses did. And uh, he was a truly stiff-necked, focused on what he wanted. And he was overthrown, ultimately, by the power of Yahweh. And those children of Israel were brought out of that land of Egypt and into uh, the wilderness where they were given a law. Uh, and they were given this law 
after Yahweh uh, commanded these them to come to this the Mount Sinai, they were given the, the there were three trips that Moses had into this mountain. On the first trip, they were given the Ten Commandment law, and uh, there were some there were other statutes, judgments, and ordinances that were given. And the the children of Israel said, "All this that thou sayest, we will do." And that was a marriage. They say they 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 vowed that was a marriage between Yahweh Elohim and those Hebrews that they would follow this law that was given. And there was a following trip, the second trip of Moses, where Moses had the vision of the days of the of the creation. And that's where we get our Genesis from. And he had a he had this first trip. He had a vision of the days of the creation up until Adam and Eve were in bliss in the garden. And then Yahweh rested on the seventh day and went on to show Moses the schoolmaster for what we have to measure how we are made and everything in the universe is made according to the likeness and image of Yahweh our Elohim. And that's that tabernacle pattern that was given in detail and instructed to be built in the wilderness of Sinai. And the, and the, the 12 tribes of the children of Israel would camp around this and offer sacrifices to make atonement for any, any sin that they may have uh, transgressed according to the law that was given to them. And uh, as it is said, once that tabernacle was built in the wilderness, that, that altar of sin offering constantly burned with a sacrifice on it for the, for the sins because the children of Israel, they were constantly breaking that law. They could not attain to his righteousness. And that law that was given to them, it was told that it would be unto their righteousness if they kept, kept the whole law. And if they broke any part of that law, then it, they were guilty of the whole law. Now, Moses was called down on the 40th day from the mount. His minister, Joshua, which we know as Joshua, told, called Moses down and said he heard a rumor, rumors of war. He heard war down in the camp. Moses come down and see the children of Israel, they were having orgies around a golden calf that they had uh, fabricated together after they were told not to create any idols and worship any idols. And after they had seen Moses being gone up in this mount for this extended period of time, they said, no man could live this long with no food and water on top of a mountain in a fiery cloud up there. Let's go down here and make a God that brought us up out of Egypt. And they they, they started back into transgressing back into the traditions of what was happening in the land of Egypt. And Joshua called Moses out and, they, and he came down and he, he said, this isn't a war. These people having an orgy. And he got mad because he, the last thing that he's seen in the mount was Adam and Eve in perfect harmony, 
righteousness, joy, and peace up in the garden. And they said, and he said, why would they do this? They were given this law. Why would, what are they doing? And he broke that first law that was written and it was hewed out of the mouth. And it was and the, the law was written on this rock and he, he threw it down and he broke it. And it necessitated for that to happen because Yahweh commanded later on, Yahweh Elohim commanded Moses to hew out another table of stone, liken unto the first and return up into the mouth so he could write it back on those. It had to be just the same shape as the first one. And Moses went up for the third trip and had a recapitulation of what he's seen in the second trip. And then he's seen the transgression of Adam as a result of partaking of the, that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden and being brought down and he's seen the genealogies and so on and so forth. And he was given that, that new table of stones to put into the, the, ark, the base of the Ark of the Covenant that it was to be a type and shadow in the likeness and image of Yahweh our Elohim as a schoolmaster, like I said before. And what we have in this school here, I'm, I'm trying to get to is that we say in the moderation that we show proof. We don't suggest this thing. We, we labor in and out going over the same things, rep, rep, repetitively over and over again to show proof throughout the entire existence of the universe how everything is made and operates according to the structure and function of this tabernacle pattern and absolutely nothing escapes this pattern now these jews were in darkness in their in their consciousness and they didn't know uh, Yahweh for who he really was and actually existed. So they couldn't, they couldn't keep this law. They just couldn't do it. It was, it made, this law made sin exceedingly sinful. So since they couldn't keep the law, it necessitated Yahweh Elohim himself to manifest in a physical body and walk the earth plane and we know him as Joshua the Messiah. He walked the earth plane for 33 and a half years, fulfilling, completing this, this law that was given to the children of Israel according to a promise that's being talked about here in uh, Romans, the fourth chapter. And, and, and throughout Romans. And, and, and it's a beautiful thing when you, when you do a detailed investigation and you, and you accept the, the truth about things and you, and you study this pattern and you, and you correlate all of the scriptures, the law being the first five books of the Bible and the prophets being the remaining books up 
from Joshua to Malachi and in the fulfillment, which the world erroneously calls the New Testament, which we will tell you here in this school that the New Testament is nowhere in this book because the New Testament was not written with pen and ink. The New Testament will be written in our hearts and our minds. We no longer are saved by any law of works, by any water baptism, or any circumcision of the flesh, or, or, or any feasts, if you will. But we are saved by learning the truth of Yahshua and having, by, by learning the truth and accepting the truth, John, oh, what is it? 14, let me see. I'm, I always forget it and I've been working on it with it so much. Uh, John, John, where he says, I am the way, I am the truth. What is it, 14 and six? Is that what that is? Yes, John 14, six. Okay. Yahshua saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. No, man, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Yes, no man cometh to the Father, our heavenly Father Yahweh, but by the Son. And we go through the, the name charts and we show the, the forth the unity of the spirit with Yahweh being the all in all, the pure, the pure spirit essence <laughs> that, that the entire uh, universe is derived from, everything that has been created, visible and invisible. Uh, the source of that is, is Yahweh, the Father. And no man cometh to the Father except by the Son. And the son is the, the manifestation in shape and form of Yahweh in righteousness. See, you've got one spirit being Yahweh. You've got two mysteries in operation here. You've got Yahshua and you've got that old boy, the devil or Satan. And Satan opposes the truth and everything righteous. And Yahshua is the truth. And the only way you're going to get to the Father is through the truth. And the only way you're going to understand anything about the truth is by having an ear to listen. You have to, you have to, the founder said we have to meditate on these things. We have to turn aside as Moses did when he was at that mount. I mean, when he was at the base of that mountain, he seen that burning bush and see the great sight of what the truth is. Mm -hmm. oh. I'm sorry, baby. I'm, I'm busy. I'll talk to you when I'm done. <laughs> he, he knew that there was something special there. He knew that there was something spectacular happening. And he accepted the fact that that was, that was, let me not get, I, I was, I was on to something else and I don't want to go back to Moses right now. What I, what I'm trying to say is that there is 
an, an expressed method for us to come to know who our Heavenly Father is and how he actually exists. And we can't poo-poo or dismiss the pattern of this tabernacle because we understand in this, in this tabernacle how it's as simple as one, two, three. And everything is, is made according to this, to this pattern. You've got the, the law and the prophets and the fulfillment. I mean, you've got blood, water, and spirit. I can explain that in our physical body. We've got blood that carries all of the different platelets and cells and what have you uh, that give our bodies life. And that's mixed up with water. Our body's 70% water. And when you get dehydrated, you don't feel very good. You got to have a, enough water in this body. And the root word for inspiration, which we do to breathe, is spirit. And we had that oxygen that's mixed in with that blood and that water in our physical bodies that allows us to have life. Without the blood or the water or that inspiration or that spirit, we wouldn't live. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is the Father made manifest in shape and form. And we are made in his likeness and image. And we can know something about his likeness and image by the pattern of the tabernacle. Give me Romans 1, 19 and 20. And then the Holy Spirit. So we got the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And those three are one. Now creation witnesses our creator and and it's a it's a very profound statement for us to say that absolutely everything is made by the tabernacle pattern and if you do an investigation and you find this thing you have go ahead and read because i'm going to say it, it's right there in Romans 1, 19 and 20. You don't got no excuse. You have no excuse after you do this investigation. And, you, and, and then after you get this, uh, can you give me the scripture where it says, uh, for all those that are heavy laden, uh, learn of me. Uh, I don't know which one that is. But Five minutes, Dr. Jamordal. Five right. minutes, please. All right. Read Romans 1, 19, 20. Romans 1, 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has showed it unto them. It's manifest. It, what you can know of Yahweh is putting you. Yahweh showed it unto you. You can't know anything about Yahweh unless he reveals it to you. Read. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood. Visible things, the, that spirit, and that spirit is made up of uh, what, what we can understand as spirit is made up of attributes of, of divine right. intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, beauty, love, justice, foundation, power, and strength. And that's wrapped up in the kingdom. And that are the, those are the invisible things. You can't see intelligence, wisdom, and knowledge in a physical sense, but you can see the manifestation of it. It's not something that you can look on with your eyes. You can't grab onto it with your five finite senses and, 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 and measure it uh, to 
to a, to a level uh, like you can somebody's height and weight on their physical body. Uh, go ahead and read. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You can understand something about the invisible things of our Heavenly Father by the things that are made because we are made in his likeness and image according to the pattern of the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm almost out of time, but we were given this law and we were given this pattern and, or the Jews were given this law better yet, the Hebrews were given this law and given this pattern and it would be under their righteousness as, I, as it was said, if they could follow that entire law and they could not do it. So it necessitated Yahweh Elohim to do it himself. And now he died and there could be no new Testament without the death of the testator. And he ushered in a new age, according to the scriptures, according to the pattern, he died on a phenomenal third day. He tarried for 40 days after, after he, I mean, he, he died, he was buried, he resurrected on the third day, he tarried for 40 days after, and then on, 50, on the 50th day, Pentecost, he poured out his Holy Spirit first to the Jews, and then seven years later to the Gentiles. And this is according, that's all according to the pattern. And it's all according to all of the scriptures in the, in the all throughout the law of the prophets, and the fulfillment, they all go according to that pattern. Mm -hmm. And we're here to learn something about that. We have to make those correlations, those allegories. We can't just hang on to the words of one story and just like it, like, like they do in, in the Protestant churches where they want to be focusing on being a Baptist or focusing on being a Pentecostal or focus on uh, whatever one part that they like. Of, of the scriptures they all it's all interconnected and it's all the same and and we have a new law and it's given to us by we are saved by grace now we don't have to work anymore and um i i hope i i hope and trust that somebody got something out of what was said today i know i apologize for myself being in the way in the beginning but I'll, I'll pass the torch to the next speaker and all praises be to our heavenly father Yahweh through his only begotten son Yahshua the Messiah hallelujah mm -hmm. thank you Dr. Hudgen Wardle and our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Derek Ordone from our New Orleans class <laughs> yes hello how y'all doing Hi, good evening. How you doing? Um, it's something that he said that you say you'd be called, you know you're gonna be called. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. That is so true. I enjoyed the first speaker. Um he was he's really expressive, and you can tell how he's sincere because one thing he's talking about the truth, and he knows it's the truth because it's been proven to him. And that's one thing we could say about this school, because it's a school and not a church. And it's a beautiful thing that um, 
Romans, let's 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 get with uh, start with the um, scripture lesson because there's something else I want to say concerning what I've been listening to Dr. Kimmy lately. But could, let's start with um Romans. Romans four and one. Yes. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath something of which to glory but not before Elohim. Now, now, and I'm going to cut you off. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be doing that. Um, yeah, I apologize in <laughs> advance. Um, see, right now what they're talking about in Romans is, this is Paul, right? Or Saul talking to, uh, he's talking? Yes. Okay. Um, Saul received the Holy Spirit. And the words that he's speaking is from the vision that he had. The first speaker was talking about the vision Moses had. He, he said he had a vision twice. Well, really, well, more than that, really, if he was listening, he was talking about Moses had a vision. And when he had to flee to go to the wilderness, he had a vision. Um, he had another vision after coming out of Egypt going in the wilderness with the children of Israel, he had another vision. My whole point about that is that man has to have a vision from God okay. and a revelation in order to know something about God's purpose. That's the whole, that's the whole kit and caboodle. Now what Dr. Killing was saying is this, Dr. Killing said, and Dr. Killing, oh, Henry C. Killing is the founder of this school. Dr. Killing, Mr. Killing, had a divine, metaphysical, divine, stupendous vision and revelation. He said that don't believe him or don't take his word for him, but make him prove it until you are satisfied. Now, that brings me back to what the first speaker was talking about, about the vision of Moses. And it's going to come back to, because Moses was given a law. Right here, Paul talking about a law that's, that was given. Oh, Saul, I keep saying Paul, but Saul. Saul was given, a, well, it's the same one. They just call him Paul, and I just call it the real thing, the truth. I'm sorry, I just, I'm just, I call it Saul, because that's what it is, it's Saul, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Not really Paul, right? Because we're dealing with the, the truth, right? Paul is the Greek. Okay. Oh, okay. I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. The reason why I say that is because I was just dealing with the actual, um, his name of Saul and dealing with the truth because this was what the school is about is telling you the truth. So when he has the vision, um, talking about Saul has the vision, he's, God is speaking directly to him. Can we get that where Paul Saul is knocked off the horse, going to Damascus with the papers of the, the papers to put the people in bondage, the Yashuans in bondage. Um, Acts the ninth chapter. Cool. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of Joshua went on to the high priest 
and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that he that if he found any of this way whether they were men or women he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem yes see um oh boy this is this is powerful really it's showing you the power of the creator himself because he's taking somebody that was once known as persecutor of the Yashuans Mm-hmm. And he's going to give him a vision. That's how you know this is real. He's taking somebody that just was persecuting the Yashuans, giving him a vision. That's going to be the only reason he's going to change. But I'm going too fast. Hold up. <laughs> go ahead, reader. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, who art thou, master? And Yahshua said, I am Yahshua, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Okay, can you start right there? Mm-hmm. The, the first speaker was telling you about the tabernacle that was given to Moses, and everything goes according to this pattern. The pattern and then the scriptures, the law and the prophet, he was also telling you about the law and the prophets. Here it is. So now I'm, I'm talking about after he got it in Romans. I'm going back, I'm referring back to Romans, but stay at, at Acts because you got to have this vision. Oh, you got to have this vision. And once you see what it is that God wants you to do or the purpose or whatever he asked you to do because Saul was doing it. He thought what he was doing with the papers and stuff and bounding the options, he thought he was doing the right thing. He had a zeal for God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. Now continue at Acts. Uh, five, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, six. And he trembled and astonished, said, Master, what will thou have me to do? And Yahshua said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. There you go. Hold on right there. Now, this is predicated off of him having a vision. And he's asking what, what he should do. In other words, the only way you know, and see, when it comes down to religion, period, when it comes down to religion, Everyone believes what they believe sacredly, but it might not be according to our knowledge. This school is set up with Kinley having his vision and revelation directly from God. He can prove he had a revelation directly from God through the scriptures. The same thing Saul talking about right there in Romans, over there in Romans, to the Jews. Um, but Continue, continue where you had in Acts. Because the man got to have a vision. You got to have a vision. It got to be. And that's the only way you'll know really your, well, not only your purpose and even why you created, but you understand the creator's purpose and why you were created. Go ahead. Verse seven. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. All right. The other, the other speaker, the, the previous speaker was telling you, say you could have a vision of God. The person next to you might not see the same thing you see, but you will see. 
Now that goes to this here. Moses was chosen by God. Saul was chosen by God. Had a vision. Moses had a vision. Our founder, Henry C. Kinley, had a vision and revelation straight from the creator. Didn't even know his name was Yahweh. Sure didn't know that. I thought his name was Lord and God. But find out all this time, we've just been saying Lord and God when that's just titles. That's just a title. That's not a name. And Moses at that burning bush was given a name. Now, I don't know if the whole year, I think we finished with Acts because I'm talk talking about the vision that he was getting, but they're going to explain more about that. But to get back to um, the vision, Moses had the vision. Sarah had the vision. The woman that the kid had the vision. The had the vision. All right. Because I'm trying to go go back to Romans. Go back to Romans, the, four, the, um, the scripture lesson. Okay, Romans uh, 4 and... Where we left off. Uh, okay, 4 and 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed Elohim, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. All right, this is another man, not Abraham. The whole thing in the law and what they, they've been doing is they believe in the promise that was given to Abraham. So from the time, even from the time of, of Abraham to Moses, to Moses to the Messiah, things have changed in the, the, the operation of what they were supposed to do. The first speaker was telling you about a tabernacle that was giving the instructions to Moses in the Mount Sinai when he was up there in the Mount in a 40 day trip. He was given instructions to build his tabernacle because the law that he was given was going to be placed in the tabernacle is symbolic of the God, the law of God present plus his presence there, right there in the midst of the people is symbolic to something else about the spirit of God could be in you too, where well, it is in you. But um, the tabernacles, um, the tabernacle, it had the, the, um, the laws in there. So they had an operation in which they had to operate. They had a high priest and two low priests. They had a mo it, the, the tabernacle consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. Three compartments make up the one tabernacle, which is symbolic or give you um, the Romans 1, 19 and 20. You look at the things that is made to understand that invisible thing. So the creator himself that tabernacle is symbolic to the creator in his unity. We don't live in a tri-triniverse. We live in a universe. So it's showing the unity. Can we get, um, um, where is that the, the Yahweh's unity? Is that um, Yahweh's unity? Uh, that's um, Psalm something? Isn't that Psalm? Oh, all right. Deuteronomy. I thought it was in a song, something about unity. But go ahead, get whatever, which one you got talking about unity, because it's in the book, it's in the law, going to the law and the prophets. Where, where is this where you're going at? What part of the Bible is this? It's the Deuteronomy. Law. It's okay. The law. It's the law. 
because that's what the first speaker was talking about is talking about the law and the prophet and that the the tabernacle was like a key um, uh, component into understanding something about the creator, which is invisible to man. But to show you something about the creator and the thing that's made, we look at the tabernacle and, and um, the three compartments that make up the one tabernacle is talking about the invisible creator or the uh, supernal nature of the creator. You in Deuteronomy? You have it, Linda? Yes, I have it. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our Elohim is one Elohim. Yes. And Elohim of... Oh, sorry. Not and, the Elohim of the Jews only. Not the Elohim of the, <laughs> the Blacks. Not the Elohim of the Whites. Another, no, none of that. He, he's the Elohim, the only, the only, is only one. It's only one. The reason why I'm saying that is because when you go back to Romans and Saul talking to them, them um, um, the, the people that he's talking about in Romans. So they Romans? <laughs> in Romans, is he talking to Romans? Or he's talking to the Jews in Romans? In Jerusalem, uh, in Romans? The Jews, right? The Fine. Jews, right? Right, right, right. Because in their mind, following the law, if they follow the law by their works, they thought they will receive eternal life. And by them having that understanding, because they had that, that understanding already, if they follow, if they look at the words and follow the law for word for word and all the, the, the commandments and the ordinances, they would have eternal life. But this is what Saul was telling them about all that that they had in their mind. The whole, the whole thing about our, our founder said that he preached in the church of God for 12 years or 13 years. I forgot how many years, but he was an assistant pastor and he preached out the Bible and he didn't he know verses, Bible verses and everything. He said his whole when he had the divine um, vision and revelation, his whole way of thinking was revolutionized, revolutionized by the vision. In other words, whatever he thought pre previous to having a vision, it was true, it was contrary. So here it is, Saul, Saul, full with the Holy Spirit, talking to these people that don't know the truth, don't have the truth in them, don't know nothing about the truth, but able to still had the potential of learning or uh, 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 coming to a, a receiving of this, this same knowledge and understanding that Saul had. Because now he's he's turned around. His, his mind has been transformed. He's been born again. And his whole understanding of these scriptures is totally contrary to their understanding. So that's just the same way when the Messiah was walking the earth plan. The reason why they had conflict with the Messiah and everything he said, because they ain't had no lie come out of him, right? He had no guile. He ain't had no none of that in there. So everything he said was the truth. It was true. So them being born in sin, being born in un, um, not understanding, um, in darkness, so here it is, Saul, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking true words. That's why they don't understand either, right here. Because there ain't no light in them. You got that 
what about that uh the light because you got to receive the holy spirit in order to know that um but the light something about they ain't got no light in them is because they don't have no light in them i'd say eight and twenty yeah please Isaiah 8 and 20. To the, to the law and to the prophet, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Yes, 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 yes. So I can speak to y'all because y'all understand what I'm talking about because y'all got light in y'all. So y'all understand. I'm just talking about explaining the Romans. Then in the fourth chapter, talk about how Saul trying to explain that to them. And they said thinking they know already just by knowing. And I'm going to give you an example of thinking you know something, thinking you're already good and right when you might not be right. So the possibility of you being wrong, that's what you should consider. Because that's the thing that could really help you in learning something that you don't even know. I'm going to give you an example of this here. My mom, I'm, I'm not jumping off track, but I'm really, it's got something to do with the gospel. It's the ones that believe and understand to the ones that don't understand. And it's not even on us. It's, it's a gift. Because the present kingdom age is two things. It's present, meaning immediate, like right now. And the same thing is a present. It's a gift. It's a gift. Grace is a gift. Faith, gifts. they gifts of the Holy Spirit. So uh, my mom... I was explaining to her and I was telling some things because y'all would y'all would just put something on my heart to just talk to her. I had time to talk to her because she was down here visiting my aunt. So I was telling her, like, mom, I said, Mom, um, look, it's like, you know, God wouldn't make it hard for us to like to know him. It's like, why would he, why would he do that? Why would he make it so difficult to know him? I said, it's like one, two, three. So the reason why I'm saying that is because to me, and from what he allowed me as a gift to see him, I appreciate it now to the point now to the point where I'm not angry with the ones that don't see or they that Yahweh don't allow to see because that's what it come down to him allowing it. And that's a gift that is so precious to the point where it's just appreciated. Just be in the spirit of it. Like, like embrace it. See, because I know we have to go out there and what well, really the battle's already won. So if that light is in you, just like he talked, I'm, I'm getting off the track with Romans and talking about exactly what he's talking about, but I'm really talking about that. <laughs> I'm really talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that there's no works that we're going to be able to do. There's no works of righteousness that we can ever do. My mom and my mama mind, she's thinking that she's right in what she's believing in being a Baptist. And I'm not mad at her. I told her, that, you know, there was no need for to do the, the baptisms, the, the water baptisms and the, the Lord's suppers. I say this because that's just like saying that he never resurrected. You're saying unto his death and you're still doing it unto his death, but he resurrected a quickly spirit. So it's like a new covenant was brought in, but they don't know that. That's my whole point in saying that whatever God will allow you to know, appreciate it, and then have compassion on the ones that don't know. Because this is how this go. You know, it, it's the love that brought us to Yahshua. 
uh, allow us to come to Yahshua. It's his love because it's even in our ignorance, he still allow us to come to, to him, to know something about him, to keep us there. That's another part, to even keep you there. It's all, he's doing all the works. The works of the Holy Spirit is doing the works. They say the work, um, work um, faith without works is dead. It's not your works. It's not even your faith. It's his. So is if he give you of his spirit, it's no more you doing the works. That see that you, that you is very tiny and small. It's very small, like you. And sometimes we we'll hear people say, Oh, yeah, you did a great job. Oh, your your voice sounds nice. See, if you don't know you, the real you or who you are, because you're not that physical body or that face you see uh in the mirror. That's not the real you. The real you is you are spirit being housed in a physical body it just so it just so happens the body look like that that's just to identify you <laughs> by the face because if you're walking down the street you see somebody from the back and they look like somebody that you know and you walk around and you look in their face oh it's not the that's not the person that's not the identifying factor that you know that person so my whole point with that is saying that the spirit that's inside of Yahshua, that's inside of Saul, that's inside of Dr. Kenley. <laughs> yes, could be inside of you. It's just being conscious of the fact. That was in the prayer. Saying being conscious of the fact that Yahweh is in you working the things that he's doing. Instead of you putting your hands up like you get a trophy or you get an applause for anything that you done done. No, really, we are debtors. We owe Yahshua. If he got on the, the cross and died, his blood, he gave up his blood. And the reason why he was able to give up the blood, I mean, uh, off be a sacrifice, is because he had no sin in him. Every he, he be, no, I'm going, I'm, I'm just way out there. I'm just, I'm really just, I'm, I'm out there talking. But at the same time, I'm really trying to make a point in saying that the only way to understand anything about this, this class to understand anything about the scriptures, to understand anything about the tabernacle pattern, to understand how it correlate with everything and how atoms and molecules all are coming in, in a threefold fashion. Everything is because everything go according to that pattern. So when you see the ones that's not in the holy place and they might be in the court roundabout and you're trying to tell them about Yahweh or Yahshua, you're trying to tell them about the truth and they don't receive it. Don't, don't get, don't trip. Just stay in the holy place. Just remain in the holy place. See, because the scriptures, the scriptures are for self-correction. They are for self-correction for a son. <laughs> and nobody else. For the one that has the light in them. The one that has understanding about what's really going on. The actual truth about what's really going on. So to get back to Romans and whatever um, Saul talking to, to, these, to these boys, these Jews, back in Romans. Romans 4.4. 4. Go ahead. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Hmm. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth 
describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom Elohim imputeth righteousness apart from works. Can I say something? Can I say something right there? See, we got examples after examples after examples. And the reason why Saul Saul said David, he's trying to say that these are not my words. (laughs) Man, these are not my words. These are the words of the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that moved David to say what he said, the same spirit that moved Jeremiah to say what he said, Isaiah, Obadiah, anywhere in the law of prophecy, because when you really come to understanding or come to understand, it's the Holy Spirit that wrote the scriptures, the law and the prophets describing himself through those boys, because he's never sent nobody to do his job. He came to do his job. They have it in his mind as Trinity concept. That's why I was talking about the unity thing and saying that they have in their mind this concept about Trinity, like it's three separate beings. And I'm saying is, like I said, we don't live in a Triniverse. We live in a universe. So it's showing the unity of the, the creator and saying that it's just one spirit, Yahweh in pure spirit. Yahweh, that's the abstract. Yahweh Elohim, incorporeal, super incorporeal being, that's in, intermediate. And then you have Yahweh in the physical, Yahweh, the spirit of Yahweh in a physical fleshly body walking the earth plane as Joshua. And that's concrete. So continue, continue. I don't know how to say that. I don't know why I said that, but continue. Seven, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom Yahweh will not impute sin. Hmm. Cometh, right. this, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. Right. Now, can I just intervene right there? Because that's the point he was trying to make and about the heathen or the Gentile and the Jew and saying that there's no separation because the people, the Jews thinking they are saved or they are higher, oh, they got their nose up. They got their nose up at the Gentiles because they feel like since they are know the laws, uh, the, the law and the prophets and they read and they know the, the scriptures all around the ankles and, the, and around the, their wrists and, and whatnot, they think they're above the next one that don't know anything about that. But what Saul is telling them, ain't no different in the salvation that will come to you, not just to you only, but also to the, to, the other, the, to the other nations. Because in Abraham, it said that uh, in I see, and that's singular. So it's through the Holy Spirit where riches bring in the, the second covenant which is they, they don't even know right now. And a lot of people don't know that right now to this day. But even back then, when he was talking to them, Saul talking to them, they don't know about the second covenant and that it was brought in to, to do away the, those carnal ordinances so they wouldn't have to worry about that. It was going to be just a gift. But go ahead. Uh, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. <laughs> so, so what it come down to, like I said, is it's just it, it, 
it, what it is, is it's just plain and simple as this here. Man is in, all man is in complete darkness about the creator. If the creator came in any physical form, you got to get John, um, the first, first, I mean, not first John, uh, um, John one, one and one, and then yeah. one fourteen. I mean, yeah, one and one yep. and fourteen. John one and one. In the beginning was the Word, and hmm. the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. The yes. same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Verse yes. fourteen. Yes. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes. See, what happens is the, the reason why people then gave up and believing in the Bible, because it doesn't make sense. You got some places over here where they say people didn't see, not, nobody didn't see God. Then you got over there another place in Exodus where they said 74 people didn't see God. So it's like it's contradicting itself, but that's not. It's going according to the pattern. And Yahshua the Messiah, and I told you the pattern, the physical tabernacle pattern was just a shadow of the true tabernacle, the spiritual tabernacle, which is Yahshua the Messiah. So all those things was pertinent to him. The scriptures, every, everything talking about him. You would think they, they wouldn't miss it, right? But that's what I'm about to, I'm telling you. It goes to what I was saying already. Yahshua or Yahweh choose who, whom he chooses mm -hmm. they don't have nothing to do with me and my thoughts and who i think should get it even if i tell them the definition and this and that and the other and the other it's still on they still might not see that they might be stubborn stick neck, stick neck, stiff neck people to the point where they refuse to do that so you gotta have those you just gotta have those i'm just looking at the purpose you see because one um, uh, it, it makes the other one shine more brighter. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's like a mm -hmm. comparison. Yeah, it makes the other one shine even brighter. And, and that's why I was talking about being appreciative to the light that's in you. But go ahead, continue. Oh, well, oh, you already finished with John. We're yes. back to um to um to home. I know, so, yeah, it's like, really, man, you can stay on. <laughs> it, mm. It's like you... My whole point is saying all of that about the scriptures. I'm trying to explain what they're saying in Romans, but all of the scriptures, no matter where you read that in the Bible, no matter what um, uh, um, verses you, you read, uh, what books you read, all of it is predicated by the Holy Spirit actually giving you a vision and giving you a revelation to the same thing. But what I was saying about that is, see, because it's not um, like you, you, you understand, it's hard to explain what I'm, what I'm trying to say is because it's like you didn't seen something and Dr. Killing would talk about this. He said, how it's hard for the take back something that you didn't see, like you a witness to something that was shown to you. How do you take that back in life? Because people will be um, debatable about what you've seen because they didn't see it. So automatically, it's, it's, it's like a, a debate. So I'm saying that is because the same thing happened with Saul and Romans in the fourth chapter. It's like these boys here, they still blinded by their own um, self-righteous acts. 
they're still under the old law. They haven't been, um, um, he's trying to bring them up to the second covenant. Um, where is the second covenant? Isaac, that's talking about in Isaac, what Isaac talk about the second covenant or is Jeremiah 31, 31? Jeremiah 31, 31. All right. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. Not according to, I'm sorry, hold on, I'm going to have to cut you off, but not according to that covenant that you got them things wrapped around your, <laughs> the laws wrapped around your ankles, wrapped around your neck, wrapped around your wrist, that is it's going to be a new covenant. It ain't got nothing to do with nothing physical. It has nothing to do with nothing physical. It's a spiritual spiritual covenant. But go ahead, go ahead, Rita. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. The first speaker was just talking about how they, they came out there in the wilderness and they they was told the commandments and they said, I, we will do all the things that you say, Yahweh. He spoke and it was like, please, Moses, don't let him speak no more. Please, we'll do whatever he said. And then he told him to tarry. And then they, they didn't tarry. They got, they, they, what, man, this is just, it's the same thing. Their imagination, through their imagination from what they were seeing with their physical eyes and the fiery uh, cloud that's on top of the mountain, surely Moses got to be dead because he ain't come down. He got to be dead. So in my imagination and what I was, I mean, not being obedient to what I was told, I'm just going into my own thinking and my own will, how I look at it. And then now it's getting me in a whole bunch of trouble instead of just being obedient. That's another lesson in itself. But um. Here it is. That's why they were around there, had Aaron the, the uh, form the the um the um golden calf. And he was saying in the thing that they say I will do, they say don't have no idols. <laughs> no idols. So when you come down to it, since maybe you might not have a physical idol that you worship and bow down to, like Baal or whatever, right? But you yourself could be. Uh, worship as an idol. And you say, well, what you talking about, Doc? What is you talking about? You worship. I'm talking about your way of how you look at it. Your concept. Your opinion. You become a deity unto yourself and look at it how you want to look at it, but not having no vision yet. But if a man came to you and said he had a vision, you won't believe him. You won't believe him even if he said he proved it to you. But that goes to show you that Yahweh choose who he chooses because Moses was under that decree, but yet Moses lived while Moses wasn't killed because it wasn't in the it wasn't in the in the writings for Moses to get killed. So my whole point with that is um Yashuans, um fellow brethren, um, um um today we, we living in some tough times right now. And I'm saying is everything that Dr. Killing has given us is sufficient. It is, it is, it is, I'm telling you, it is more than enough that we need in order to, to continue. You see, because it's not going to be us, the you, that you is very small once again. It's going to be Yahshua in us. 
that's going to endure whatever it is that we got to do and go through in this physical, fleshly, physical existence. Because right now, spiritually, we should be in peace. Mm -hmm. Like we should be in a, in a peaceful state, knowing who our creator is, the creator that created the, oh man. The planets, the, the 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 living creatures, the animals, the the oh the bird. Oh man, I could just go on and on because I love the animal kingdom. I could just go on and on. It's just so much of life because he is life. He is the light. So stay in the holy place. Isn't that where the, the seven branch candlestick at? Mm-hmm. Stay what they got light at, but stay in the light. Just stay in the light of this this teaching, and don't let nothing de deter you. Don't let nothing stop you from receiving eternal salvation because it's already done. All we're doing is going through the motions. It's like you know, uh, uh, everything was created in eternity. Uh, uh, there's no limit of time on that. So what I'm saying about that, yeah, these physical bodies got a limit. They got a time limit on them. So there's no flesh in heaven, in the kingdom. There's no flesh in that. See, when the Messiah came, he came to bring all those things to fulfillment, all those things that was written in the law and the prophets concerning him. He was coming to fulfill the law and prophet to bring in the new covenant, the new way that we was going to receive eternal life. Richard was already purposed already from the beginning that this is how it was going to come in. And this is what he was going to have to do because they was talking about it 14, 1500 years prior to him coming in. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. That's. I didn't ran out of juice, y'all. <laughs> I love y'all. <laughs> but I hope somebody had got something out of what um, Yahshua didn't use me as a vessel in order to, to say something and to be worthwhile and in, in order to endure to the next, to the next one, mm -hmm. to the next, to the next class. Thank y'all. And in Yahshua's side name, I say hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Ordon. And our third speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Reva Zahar from our Oceanside class. Uh, hi, everybody. Hey, Reva. Hi. Uh, is my volume okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I really enjoyed um, all the comments that the first two speakers um, got into and um, Derek just about laid out. I, there's no way I could patch all that together. There's about a thousand lectures in there, <laughs> you know. But um, but it's all good. And uh, you know, we just testify to the things that we have seen and to the things the things that he showed us. And um, that's why we need each other because I most certainly don't know it all, and I'm pretty sure that everybody else would. Um, come up to say that too in one respect you know we don't know it all or all the little uh all the facets if you would all the little intricacies but we do understand the purpose of uh Yahweh overall and as the other speakers have already said that is 
that is without controversy that that is God's name, Yahweh. And as it was already stated, let's let's just go to John 17 and uh, uh, one through three real quick. Because this is something that just kind of dawned on me the other day. John 17 and one. These words spoke Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Okay, pause for a moment. He... Yahshua is going to give eternal life, not to the world, not to everybody that's ever been born and going to get preached up in heaven by the by. He's only going to give eternal life to the ones that the Father has pre-selected for him to give it to. And you know, I'm coming in on the tail end of this uh, third lecture or third speaker and just going to have to go with some of the things that I was um, uh, sensitive to. But, you know, this is this is our life's work. You can't possibly talk about eternity in two hours and you can't possibly come into a full appreciation of your creator in just one of these lectures. And that's why we have them ongoing all the time in different cities all over the United States and abroad. And there's always a class, a physical class that's going on. And there's an incredible library of these uh, taped Zoom classes that we have that you can go and just eat and sup on these words and meditate on these things. Now, could you um, repeat the verse too, please, Linda? As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, we don't even, we don't even really stop and think about that, that there was a man some people aren't even convinced that there was a Messiah, some guy that lived a couple thousand years ago and that, oh, right, I'm such a hot ticket. He's got power over me. He has power over all flesh. You know, I way back, uh, uh, the dean that I came up under would always say this, is if you're going to get yourself a God, why don't you get one that can do something? You know, I mean, we have to help out we go to church, or I did, and we always had to help God. We had to put money in a plate. We had to light some candles. We had to sing some songs. We had to um, eat some bread or take a host. You know, uh, we had to get baptized. And these were some of the things that the Messiah did, but apparently he didn't do enough, a good enough job because here we are finding ourselves doing that so that we could, good, we could be good people. Like that he paved the work for the paved the way for us. As the scripture reading was said about working up on self-righteousness. Now, boy, I'm going to really get off on a segue here. Go ahead and read, Linda, please. 
Three. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Now, this, you know, this might be a simple point to you, but this bowled me over the other day. We always, well, I've heard it said many a time that this is life eternal, that they might know. And we do expound on the fact that you have to have some kind of knowledge about the purpose. What is his will? What did the Messiah come in to do? And what is it doing for you? We have to have a knowledge of that. But just reading that one verse in itself, read that again for me, Linda. And John this 17, is life eternal. John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Now, if we can take a look on this Moses chart right here. Um, uh, that if we take a look at up here where it says that Yahweh is spirit, and you can read about that in John 4 and 24, that it just simply states that Yahweh is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And while I'm thinking about that, oh, I hope I can remember where that scripture is. Um, oh, let's see. I think I went John 14 and 17, but let me continue explaining this. And it was already stated that this spirit comprises of, it's, it's comprised of principle. And we read the principal attributes listed there in the cloud. Wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, love, beauty, justice, power, foundation, and strength. And there's others. Those are the nine main. You have righteousness, peace, joy, long-suffering. You have many fruits of the spirit also. And, and gifts of the spirit, such as discernment. And boy, howdy, don't we need that right now mm -hmm. to be able to discern or tell the difference or distinguish a truth from a lie. Because you got both of them out there and there's none of this partial truth. Either it is or it's not. Now we can't begin to get outside of ourselves even to look back at ourselves, more or less, get outside of pure spirit. We live, move, and have our being within Yahweh. We will never at any time get outside of him to be able to look back at him. And that's why we still adhere to Romans 1, 19 and 20, which is the theme song of the school that I attend, that you have to take a look at the visible or the uh, physical things or the things that you can see to extract the analogies and the uh, manifestations or the examples to show you what is invisible that you can't see. And Yahweh knew that. So he breaks himself down into this visionary shape and form. He funnels his attributes into that shape and form and let's just read there real quick um in exodus 24 9 and 10. exodus 24 9 and 10 
Because after Moses yeah. received that name of Yahweh there at the burning bush, you can see it right to the uh, in the green part of this chart here. He took that great name of Yahweh, took it down into the land of Egypt, and delivered an entire nation of people by a name. It's ludicrous that you wouldn't think that a name is important. Like Derek just said, it's the identifying factor of a person. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody says my name, if you know me, you can already see my face. You know, I mean, it's just a name is important. Now, um, go ahead and, and read that. Exodus he brought 20. up the children of Israel. I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it up here real quick. Oh my goodness, I'm looking at this clock already. It's evaporating. Um, he delivered the children of Israel up out of Egypt. And then uh, Moses went on top of this mountain over here. You can see the midpoint of this mountain. It says Mount Sinai right there in Arabia. And Moses mm -hmm. was called up into this mountain on three different occasions. On this second trip that he's up here in the mountain, he receives a panoramic vision of Elohim. He sees a shape and form, and he's going to describe, describe what he saw. Read that, please. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. Now, it's the, Moses is uh, recording this right here through the vision that he received from Yahweh. And he saw the Elohim or the God of Israel. And you can read in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. That's right in the Bible. And some people go, uh, well, which God do you believe in? You go, well, well, what, are you, what are you talking about? Oh, I believe in the God in the Bible. Well, I'll tell you what, that's how stupid I was because I thought there was only but one God in the Bible. And that was my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know what? There is a lot of different gods. Pharaoh was a god uh, at that time to the Egyptians. And that, that was a polytheistic nation. They had many gods and they all had names. Everything is identified by a name. So right there, he's describing the shape and form that he is seeing, hands, feet, and a body, but that was not a fleshly body. It was a visionary form. It was the body of heaven in his clearness. It was brilliant because as Derek already had it read in John 1 and 4, that in him was life, and that life was the light of men and where you have light and life it's synonymous or it's the same thing and now we read in john 1 and 14 that that very self same word or that shape let's go get john 1 and 1 and read that again and then john, jump down one, to john 1 and 1 thank in you the in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. You know, and I just am so thankful for this school because we just read in the beginning. Now, when I was a little kid, my mom had this big fat Bible uh, in a bookcase in the foyer there, and I pulled it out one day, and I thought, I'm going to read the Bible. And I started out, and I went, you know, you read Genesis 1-1, you go, 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I just thought, wow, really? And you keep reading it by, uh, I don't know, even I couldn't even get out of the first chapter of Genesis. I was lost already. But I had to come down to the school and have it pointed out to me that how could you possibly have Genesis be the first book of your Bible or the beginning of the book when who's co-eternal with God to even record that? <laughs> it's, it's so much fun to learn about these things that we had revealed to us. Mm -hmm. This comes by revelation. And it's such a phenomenal experience. It really is worth your attention to try to understand or see the things that we are discussing down here. Now, before, okay. Oh, geez. Uh, Sharon, are you still in Exodus? Can you read me 25, I, 8, and 9, please? Yep. And stay where you are, Lynn. 25 and 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, this visionary shape and form transmuted, or that's a, a bigger word than just changed himself into, this tabernacle pattern, which you see as labeled B next to A, which is... Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua painted right there. This, this tabernacle is a pattern, and this is most key. This pattern is everything to us. I, I was reading an article earlier on geometry. Imagine that. I, I don't think I, well, I'm pretty sure I didn't even uh, get a good grade in algebra, more or less. I don't think I ever took geometry. <laughs> But I could read an article and understand what they were talking about uh, with fractals because I have a knowledge of this pattern. And if we were to zoom out a little bit of and see the top of this chart here, Greg, if you could please right there, um, Elohim, which is the almighty, the archetype. And that's a bigger word. We have it in parentheses right there where it means archetype means original pattern of the universe. And that becomes that oneness again that Derek was talking about because it's not a triverse. It's but one. And um, when you delve into that word pattern even more, you're going to find out that that word pattern comes the original or the etymological definition or the original meaning of it comes from the word pater, which means father. So when you see the pattern, you see the father mm -hmm. or the original, the original father of the universe. And don't we all want to know our father, understand our father, be thankful to our father for everything that he has given us? He's given us life, breath, and all things. And I'm most thankful that I have a little bit of an understanding through this great pattern that he's given us that we can navigate uh, through our lives. It doesn't deviate. It's accurate. It's precise to the structure and function. We can understand all things. The world would not have a biggest problem if they, as they do have, if they would just recognize the pattern or the father. 
Now, he was instructed to build that pattern down in the wilderness, but that's another lecture. And I wanted to go and get um, into John. Uh, back in John 1 and 1, please. Oh, my John, goodness. In, in the beginning was the word, and the word now, was with, was with Yahweh. Also, I also called the word or the son, because this is the first begotten son. And it's called a son, that shape and form that's on top of that mountain, because it didn't take all of Yahweh's unadulterated, pure spirit to take on that shape and form. It would be like taking a, a cup and going to uh, Lake Michigan or someplace, another lake, an ocean, and taking a scoop out of it. Well, everything that you have in that cup would be a fractal or a smaller portion of the bigger picture of all the ingredients are going to be in there into that little shape and well, I call it little it's huge into that shape and form so in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and this word was Yahweh there's no separation there it's a unity we're made up of spirit soul and body you can't cut your spirit away from your flesh or your soul. You're one. You have a head cavity, a chest cavity, and an abdominal cavity. You're one body. Just as this pattern, it's a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. It's a simple threefold uh, pattern by which everything, it, that's our claim in the universe. It goes by that pattern or by the father. Now, continue to read, please. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh, Elohim. And 14, and the oh, word. Read down to four and then, or five and oh. then go down, please. Okay. Thank you. Three, all things were made by him and without everything him was, was made by him. Every single thing that was ever made was made by him. Mm -hmm. And it all comes from his substance. This whole creation is nothing more. I say nothing more, but it's all spirit materialized. And it's really something when you start delving into and you see all these witnesses that are provided for you so that you can come into a profound understanding for yourself of how Yahweh Elohim really is and actually exists and you will not be moved when you see these things it will change your life forever continue to read please all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth not. And that's what you got going on, Derek. It's hard. Anyways, read me the 14th verse, please. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And now, we wait, wait. Go ahead. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now he was full nothing short, full of grace and truth. And that's what he's bestowed upon us. 
grace and truth. It's that invisible shape and form that we did not have the opportunity to have a divine vision of that came down and put on a coat of flesh. Same thing all the way down, just as much as water. You have it in a gaseous state, like pure spirit. You can't, you can't see that with your natural senses. Yahweh Elohim or the word is like the vessel. It would be like a cup. You can put, cool the room down. That gaseous vapor that's invisible to you comes into a liquid form. And if you were to cool that down or freeze it at 32 degrees, it's the freezing point. That water down here into a physical shape and form can become ice. And then the cycle continues itself because when you get to 33 degrees, which Joshua was 33 and a half years old in his ministry when he was nailed to that cross, when the heat got put to him, he had to come up out of that physical body. He came to fulfill. I was in my phone the other day and just, uh, um, asking some questions. I think that the word fulfill appears in, um, I'm not sure if it's just like in what the uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like 89 times the word fulfilled. I was checking, I go, well, how many times does uh, pattern or tabernacle appear in the Bible? Like 140 times. I mean, you can't go, Trinity is not in your Bible once. <laughs> And you can't go in there and find out that they say that the Messiah's mission was to institute or begin or to start. That's not in your Bible. He didn't come even out of his own mouth. Let's just read it for a minute because we're not going to get um, anywhere close to where I'd like to go. Um, in Matthew 3 and or 5.17... What, is that what I want? Matthew 5.17? Or 3.13? Where am I at? 5.17. Matthew 5.17. Thank you. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He came to fulfill or to demonstrate finish, bring to an end, manifest completely that which was written in the law and the prophets or the Old Testament part of your Bible. And we can just take a quick example here and go get uh, Luke 24 and 44 also just to give to another uh, verse to that, if you would, please. Luke 24 and 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that, mm -hmm. all that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. See, in the Psalms and the law and the prophets, the things concerning him. And they don't teach you that out in Christianity or in Catholicism or any other sect of religion that the Messiah came to fulfill. He said that out of his own mouth. Those were his words. And it's such a beautiful thing when you realize that this pattern, when they started out down in Egypt, there was a big death decree out. And um, well, anyway, this bottom portion of the chart is painted black and the children of Israel were in hard bondage down there. And they, 
Moses brought that name down and then Pharaoh did not want to let his free slave workers go. They were building all his treasure cities and whatnot. But the only way of escape that they had was to prepare what they had was a Passover feast. And you can read about that all in um, Exodus, I believe it's the 12th chapter. Uh, you, this, you can read that on your own time because we don't have time to go into all the reading of that right now. But they were instructed to take out a lamb and to uh, kill that lamb, drain the blood out of the side of it. And they were instructed to take it the blood and to strike it on top of the doorpost, the two side posts or the lentils. And from a basin on the bottom, they were to take that blood. They were gonna roast that lamb with fire and they were to eat it in haste. And that supper that they performed down there allowed them to pass over from death unto life. They came up to and through departed waters of the Red Sea and came out into the wilderness of Sinai. And that brings us up to speed when Moses was called up into that mountain. Now, um, the Messiah, he was pointed out from John, the, immerse, the immerser or John the Baptist. He said, behold, the lamb of Yahweh who comes to take away the sins of the world. Well, why is he calling him a lamb? <laughs> and then he comes over here later on. John also points him out. He goes, oh, no. And the Messiah called. He goes, no, I am the door. Now, why would he be calling himself a door? Mm -hmm. Because the blood had to be put on the door because he's fulfilling that which was written in the law and the prophets. And now here they got a crown of thorns rammed up on his head, mocking him, saying that he was king of the Jews. They nailed him in both hands left and right, and then they nailed his feet at the bottom, making four points of blood, just like that door. They had to put four points of blood on that door down there in Egypt. They had to kill a lamb. Well, he was the lamb, and he was pointed out right away. Behold, the lamb of Yahweh, which come to take away the sin of the world. And it's by us seeing these analogies, these examples of what Yahshua's mission was, to fulfill this old covenant, which was never given to us in the first place. It was given to the Jews and the Jews only. And we're nothing but a bunch of Gentiles, unless you're born a Hebrew or of, uh, coming out or still in the Jewish persuasion. And mm. not only that, but this Romans, the fourth chapter is nothing more than a little fractal or a tiny little piece of the big picture, which really tells us the entire picture of the story of Yahweh. Moses, Abraham was given a covenant just like Moses was given a covenant. That was not the first covenant. And his was the sign or the seal of circumcision. Can I have the Colonel ordinance chart, please? And, um, okay, I know I called that one uh, John 14, 17. Maybe I'll get back to that, but not right now. If When you look on this Colonel ordinance chart, the Messiah, he fulfilled all of that, the circumcision, the ceremonies, the baptisms, that supper. They've got you eating a uh, host or a little cracker and drinking some Welch's grape juice saying that that's a Passover supper. Well, that's not going to sustain you. 
he fulfilled all those ordinances and those sacrifices and moved that out of the way. You can see that it was nailed to the cross, that big hand pointing him out. And those keys were nailed to the cross too, so that he can bring in a new covenant for us. That Yahweh is not worshiped with men's hands as though he even needed anything. What are you going to do? Bless yourself making the sign of the cross or sprinkling a little water on yourself. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. Now, funny enough that the very first thing on the spiritual kingdom of sacrifices, law, and priesthood, if you start down at the bottom of this heart, is circumcision. Something's got to be caught away. And, and do you remember when you were a kid and your dad used to tell you, caught it out? You know, quit, mm. cut it out. In other words, you know, stop doing that. But that's the very first thing that's got to happen for you. And something's got to be cut out so that you can recognize and receive the revelation after you come in and have this incredible foundation laid up in you of how Yahshua came, in what manner, in what way, by which name, to what example that. He was sacrificed for you. We were buried with him in baptism. We don't have to do it anymore. He is the anointing. He is the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He's putting his, he died and poured out his Holy Spirit on the Jews first in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and seven years later to the Gentiles. We can read about that. And are you in Romans still on the third chapter? Just up a few, where it, where did it go, Romans? Uh, the third chapter, just a couple verses up. Um, it says, uh, oh, let me get there. Romans 3 and uh, 29. Oh, but goodness, I got like two minutes here. Romans 3, 29. Mm -hmm. uh, is he the Elohim of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. See, he's he's bring, he, we were included in the story too. You have to come back and understand the officiation of the high priest in that tabernacle. That's an analogy of what Yahshua was doing. And on the clothing of the garments of the high priest, there were all those pomegranates. And that's going back to Abraham because of the seed. He was blessed. He would bring forth a huge family and you couldn't even number it because it would be the sands of the the sands of the uh, ground and the stars of heaven couldn't even begin to number we have a family that's enormous just not the few that we see here today mm -hmm. and we are supping of this bread or this manna and in the wilderness when that coriander seed come down they go that's what manna means what is it we are eating of that hidden manna. It's hidden to the world. They don't understand what Yahshua came to do. and But they can see that there's something that happened to us. Because we are not the same anymore. Hallelujah. There's been a change. There has been a change. And it's all through the preaching of this gospel. And, you know, with Abraham and the, the seal of circumcision, how that was cut away. And he went through a lot of things. He was old in his old age and the... The 19th verse, he was like 100 years old and Sarah couldn't, he, she never had a baby by him. That was as of a virgin birth. They, they didn't have that power to have that thing happen. 
and he has Isaac, and then he's told to offer him up. And the they were obedient. He carried the wood. Joshua carried his own wood. Isaac carried the wood for his father. And they get up in the mountain. He goes, here's the fire and the wood for the, well, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, since Abraham said, Yahweh will provide himself a sacrifice. And he did. And that starts the whole story. And he was fully persuaded. And you know what? The ones that come to this Zoom classes to this school to learn more. We have been fully persuaded and we're not trying to convince you. You need to weigh some of this information in the balance for yourself and to consider that this could be of some value. It -hmm. could be important for you. You might find it to be some kind of benefit. You know, this is a beautiful teaching and I'm very thankful that Yahweh came down and dwelt in a physical body. And this is life eternal. I want you to read the third verse again, please. John 4 and 3. John 17, 17 and, three. and 3. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't, I don't have it. Oh, John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, the whom only. thou hast sent. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to know. This is the knowledge of the one, one, the unity of the only true Elohim or God. And how he came down into a physical body. He was planted in the earth and he did not come up another physical body, but a quickening, all-powerful spirit, Holy Spirit, complete and entire, lacking nothing. And that's what he poured out on the day of Pentecost. And that spirit is now buried in the hearts and minds of men. And we're here to tell you and explain to you this magnificent original father of the universe and how he died the death of an outcast dog so that you could awake and realize why you're even here and why you were born there's a lot of ages going to be coming up after this one this is not the end of the show and this mother earth is dying we need to have a knowledge for stability and it will be our comfort and only through yashua will we be able to attain unto this I hope uh, that you got something out of the what I had to uh, tell you today. And um, thank you very much for this opportunity to have something to say. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Thank you, Dr. Zahar. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. And we'd also like to thank those of you that view us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy.
to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.